We are still up to chapter 6, Mishnah number 6. These are the famous 48 ways to wisdom. And in our last session, we covered way number 1, which was with study. How do you acquire Torah? You acquire it with study. And now we're up to way number 2, Bishmias HaOzen, with the listening of the ear, of the ear. I always say that this one is, is really close to my heart. As a podcaster and somewhat of an audiophile, the idea that listening of the ear is one of the ways to acquire Torah is very close to my heart. So what is this idea? What does it mean to listen with the ear? And why is this a way to acquire Torah? So we're going to share some of the ideas featured in the commentaries. So the Chassid Yaivetz says something which is really a theme that is found in all places, all kinds of places in Jewish literature. And that is that we really have two main ways to interface with the world. There are two senses that we use to acquire data, knowledge, information from the world, from, from the world around us. And they are with our eyes, we see things. And with our ears, and we hear things. And in the battle of the senses, we discover that according to our philosophy, hearing is much more impactful than seeing. When you hear something and you absorb it in an audio way, in an audio sense, that is likely to bring you closer to Hashem, whereas seeing the eyes, the visual interface with the world, that is the domain of the Yetzirah, of the foreign God. So, for example, we're told in the literature that the way of the Yetzirah is ayin roa v'lev chomed. The eye sees something and the heart covets it. And a person only desires what their eyes can see, we're told. Again, in many places, we are told this idea that the eyes are the portals through which bad ideas and bad temptations can enter. Conversely, we're told in the Talmud that one of the characteristics, one of the, I guess, markers, the descriptions that we have of God is roe ve'eno nira. God is roe. He sees, but he cannot be seen. He remains unseen. This is in the Talmud Brachos, Page 10a. And this indicates that if we want to connect to God, we cannot use our eyes because God sees but is unseen. Our eyes, our field of vision is engineered almost to make us not see God. And therefore, to connect to God, we have to use our ears. What does that mean? We have to, we have to hear, we have to listen. We have to listen to our tradition. We have to listen to our antecedents. We have to listen to our messages. We have to listen to our hearts. The declaration of faith that we do every day, multiple times, the Shema, what do we do? We say, Shema Israel, listen, hear, O Israel. And we cover our eyes. And that's symbolizing that this touch point of faith that we do every day, that the best way to accomplish it is to listen, to listen very carefully to listen to all those murmurings, to listen for those faint whispers, but also to cover our eyes. I had a thought over Shabbos. You know, for some reason, the Almighty designed 
us that we have we have little lids, little eyelids that sometimes our eyes are open and we see everything and then we close them and we see nothing. But the ears don't have any lids. Isn't that interesting? It's not a question most of us think about all the time. The ears, they're permanently opened. You have to really push down or maybe flap over your your earlobes to cover it. And even then you kind of hear you hear a little bit. You're able to pick up stuff. But you have these lids on your eyes to just to just cover it. Why would the Almighty do that? I know it's a strange thought to think about, you know, those little flaps that cover our eyes. And at night they're they're closed. And then and then they're during the day they're open, but periodically they have this like like uh washing fluid to keep everything lubricated really nicely, and they flap down and then they flap back up, and you don't even miss anything in the field of vision. Why don't our ears have the similar thing? So I, I want to speculate that maybe, you know, if if the if what we see could be very dangerous. It could be the domain of the Sahara. Everything we see is is not God. God is unseen. Maybe if we didn't have those lids, if we had too much sight, so to speak, it would give the Yetzirah an unfair edge. And that's why the Almighty says, okay, I'm going to give you a chance, so to speak, to close your eyes and to be able to listen much more carefully. And through that, you can connect to the Almighty, connect to the spiritual, and almost cordon off, so to speak, the physical world that you see that fills your 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 eyes and your brain with all these images, all these images which are not, of course, God. Audio, we know, also echoes. This past Shabbos, in one of the shuls in our neighborhood, they asked me to serve as the chazan, to lead the services, which I do very frequently. But in this particular room, there's bad acoustics. So like you're hearing the echoes of everyone behind you and it's a little bit disorienting. You have to kind of get used to it. You know, with sight, there is no echo. What you see, it's almost like there's, there's, there's no lag. It happens basically instantaneously. You know, light travels around the world, you know, in one second, you know, eight times. It's just lightning fast. And with light, because it's all instantaneous, there's, there's no time to process. You cannot prepare for it ahead of time. And you cannot assess it afterwards because it's gone. It's like a flash. And that's it. Whereas audio, it's much slower. You have time to prepare for it. And even after you hear it once, you hear it again. It reverberates. It echoes. It lingers. It allows you to really process it. The Yetzirah wants us to be working very fast. To not think about things, to not ruminate, to not cogitate, to not evaluate, to not question. Just accept the vision. For us to really connect with listen, and audio again is much more engineered to facilitate the kind of spiritual transformation that is required, of course, to connect with the Almighty and His Torah. My favorite example of this are the two relatives who were not Jews who experienced Egypt or the exodus from Egypt and how they processed it. Jethro, he wasn't a Jew, but Parshas Yisro, 
This is chapter 18 of Exodus. It begins that Jethro heard everything that happened to the Jewish people, and he said, I want to join this nation. When he interfaced with the Exodus by listening, he heard he wanted to join. He is related, the Talmud tells us, to Balak, the king of Moab. And this, of course, is in the book of Numbers, Parshas Balak. And he also discovered the absolute juggernaut that was the Jewish people. But he didn't hear it, he saw it. And that Parsha begins, Parsha's Balak begins, Vayar Balak Ben He saw everything that Israel had done. So if two Parshios named after really non-Jews, Jethro converted, but at the time, he was a non-Jew. One Parsha is called Parsha's Yisro, and one's called Parsha's Balak. And both of them start off with these respective individuals, the eponymous characters of said story, encountering the primacy and the strength and the might of the Jewish nation and their exodus. One saw and says, I got to stymie this nation. I got to stop them. I got to attack them. And he went to hire Bilaam. And one heard and he said, I'm going to come join the Jewish people. I am all in. If you are interested, I did a Parsha podcast in January of 2022 on Parshas Mishpatim called Hearing Sinai. And the idea, the basic idea of that entire podcast was about the contrast between sight, the visual way of interfacing with the world, and audio, and how audio is more spiritual and more likely to connect us to our Creator and His Torah. And that's idea number one of this way. Way number two to get to the Torah is to listen and to hear And that's a form of study and learning that is designed to bring us to the truth, unlike when we see something visually. My grandfather, blessed memory, used to say about this particular way of acquiring Torah, that when you start off studying, you have to listen with your ears, which means we have a a natural inclination to be creative and to be independent and to want to speculate on our own. We want to say our own ideas. When you start off studying Torah, just listen. Don't try to be a producer, a purveyor of Torah until you are ready. You absorb it, digest it, let it percolate within you. After 50 years of listening, you'll be so replete You'll be swelling, bursting with Torah. Then you will, in fact, be able to influence others. I say this, say that, you know, we're required to study Torah and to teach Torah. Lil mode ulalami, to, to, to study and to learn and to, and, to, and to teach it onwards. How is that done? It's like a cup. You want to fill up a cup. Once the cup is full and you pour more, it overflows. You listen, you listen, you listen. When you start, you just listen, you just absorb. And eventually, that will lead to the overflowing of the cup. You're able to influence others as well. It is also interesting. Maybe this is part of the uh, eyelid question. If you count the organs, you know, we're fortunate enough 
to have two eyes and uh, and two ears, but only one mouth. And I know this is really weirdly hypothetical, but why do we only have one mouth? You got two ears, two eyes, you should have two mouths. I don't know where you would put it, but, w- but why is it like that? The idea is that we have to listen twice as much, double as much as we speak. The Talmud records an interesting comment from one of the sages that he actually wanted to have two mouths. I have so much Torah to teach. I'm about to speak even more words of Torah. One mouth for written Torah, one mouth for oral Torah. I don't know, one mouth for this subject, one mouth for that subject. Wouldn't that be convenient? But then he said, well, we have such a hard enough time to use our mouth, to use our capacity for speech and not say anything bad, not say any evil talk with only one mouth, we would be doomed if we had two. But indeed, we do, in fact, have two ears. And that perhaps is to symbolize the importance of just listening. Now, we know that you listen and you hear with your ears. We don't really need the Mishnah to tell us that. It doesn't say bishmia with listening. You read the words of the Mishnah written with laser-like precision. It doesn't say with listening, with hearing. It says with the listening and the hearing of the ears. It identifies the organ that we use to listen. Why is that necessary? Just say with listening. Why say with the listening of the ear? So I remember hearing an idea about this many years ago in the name of Rabbi Shapiro, Rabbi Moshe Shmuel Shapiro. He said, sometimes people listen but they don't really understand. And it's only their ears that listen, in one ear and out the other. You've heard of that line? It goes in one ear and out the other. It doesn't really stop in the brain. It doesn't settle down in the brain. Is that beneficial? Is that helpful? So he says it is, because this Mishnah is telling us, even if the the listening is, is, is limited to the ear, it's only the hearing of the ear, but it doesn't actually stop and settle in the brain. Even that is impactful. Even if only the ear hears, it penetrates and makes an impact. I have a theory that if you really want to change someone, try and get them to listen to something, even if they don't understand or they're not willing to understand it, just listening to it will change them. My dream is to have people listen to my podcasts as they're falling asleep. So my parents, every night they listen to my podcast as they're falling asleep. And I, and I think that it's actually the best way to listen to it because as you're going to a lower level of consciousness, you're kind of almost like in a hypnotic state and there's less pushback and you're more, you're more open, so to speak. You're more suggestible. That's when the Torah goes in. And your capacity to resist is diminished. And I'm able to influence you and change you as you're falling asleep. You wake up in the morning and you want to be righteous and you don't even know why. <laughs> and it's only because you listen to the, to the podcast at night. I had an idea that to do a podcast for kids. Your kids, 
They're always lo- looking to listen to something as they fall asleep. To do like a Torah podcast as they're falling asleep, I think it'll be a, it'll be an amazing way to uh, to educate. No, not that to brainwash. No, to 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 indoctrinate. These are all different. These are synonymous. Sorry, to educate, to brainwash, to indoctrinate. These are all synonyms. It's all the same thing. To influence the children when they are receptive, when they're able to listen. Again, if, and even if it just goes to the ears, it doesn't really stop. They don't really understand it. it. Doesn't matter. It fundamentally changes them. One of the sages of the Mishnah was the great Rabbi Yehoshua. Rabbi Shua ben Hanania, he's one of the teachers of Rabbi Ativa. And we're told that when he was a baby, in a stroller, his mom would bring him to the academy just so he should hear, he should listen to the cacophonous din of the sound of the sages debating words of Torah. And the Talmud says that that really impacted him. Well, what does a kid know? A kid doesn't understand anything. They don't know anything. But what they listen, what they hear, even if it's only on the surface level, just in the ears, that, in fact, lands and it changes a person on a subterranean level, on a subconscious level, and we don't see the causality, but what you hear and what you expose yourself to actually changes who you are. Moreover, to listen also means to understand. I think this is something that we all suffer from. You know, how much of what we hear and we're exposed to, how much do we really understand? And of what we understand, how much do we retain? You know, this applies to reading as well. You read something, you're kind of skimming it. I kind of get the gist of what I'm reading. But do we really listen to the degree that we understand it completely? Part of this way to acquire Torah is to mobilize our listening to make it more active, to understand every idea. That's the benefit of listening to it on the podcast. You could pause, rewind. I missed that. Let me listen to it again. Listen to it at half time speed, or as I like to do, at three times speed, listen to it twice. We have amazing technology that enables us to really absorb what what we're exposed to. Understand every idea. Being able to summarize it, being able to kind of highlight the, the main points of a message, being able to rephrase it and reformulate it in your own words. That is another level of listening where it's it's active. It's not just passive. Let me sit down and relax and listen to Beethoven. No, it's to actually actively listen in a way that you're really able, able to understand it and you're able to summon it later on because you've organized it in your brain and now you know you know it, you know where it fits into the big picture and now it's part of your acquired, so to speak, learning. Now this is part of who you are. This is now part of your your knowledge base. I think this is also important just in general communication. You know, we talk to people every day. We speak to people, our coworkers, our students, our teachers, our family members. If you are fortunate enough to ever spend time in a yeshiva, 
that's what it is you're talking or even streaming at your study partner. And whenever there's a debate or someone's conveying an idea, it's important to learn how to listen. So suppose you have one way of seeing things and your sparring mate, the person that you're talking to has a different way of seeing things. You're, you're arguing, you're debating. Very often people are speaking past each other. Each one's just trying to reinforce their side without actually ever listening. <laughs> you don't actually ever listen. And there's no productive dialogue and everyone's shocked. Why is there no productive dialogue? We've been talking about this for hours. Because there was no listening. To communicate effectively and beneficially, you have to learn how to listen. Which means for a second, for even a fleeting second, consider the remote possibility that you may be wrong. No, that's not possible. That's not possible. I'm always no. Maybe just for a for one second, the faintest faintest possibility, the 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 most remote consideration that maybe you're wrong and that person is right. So really pay attention to what they're saying. Don't assume that you know what they're saying, and that leads to productive dialogues. And again, that is part of. The idea of listening, just in general communication, certainly in matters of Torah, that is a way to expose yourself to other knowledge. We don't want to be cloistered on our little island. This is what we know and that's it. And we're just badgering those same ideas over and over again. We are trained and we are encouraged to learn from every person. A zehu chacham halo made me call Adam. Who is the wise person? He who studies from everyone. The only way that you can study from everyone is if you learn the great, powerful tool of listening and actually trying to understand what they're saying, not just trying to, you know, say non sequiturs and ad hominem attacks and all the fallacies that we do because we're just partisans that just want to say our, our point and never really consider what someone else has to say. Another idea that our sages tell us with respect to this way, listening, and that's to listen to the messages of Hashem. Even though today we no longer have prophecy, nevertheless, nevertheless, the Almighty is still talking to us. Everything that happens to us in our life, our sages tell us, is really a divine message. If you stub your toe, the Talmud says, that's God trying to get your attention. Everything you see in the world is a reflection that you're supposed to take to yourself. The Baal Shem Tov famously said, everything, the whole world is a mirror speaking to you. What you see, the flaws that you identify in others are really manifestations of your own personal flaws. Why does the Almighty expose you to the flaws of others because really what he's telling you, you need to fix yourself. Whatever we identify as the flaws in others, that's really a manifestation of our own personal flaws, the Talmud tells us. If you encounter an adulterous woman coming or a suspected adulterous woman coming to the temple, 
Asota, the Talmud tells us you have to become a Nazir and abstain from wine. You have to take that lesson to heart. And the Talmud tells us that even if you stick your hands in your pocket and you want to pull out a nickel and instead you pull out a quarter and you have to stick your hand into your pocket again to find the right coin, that too is a message from God. And if you go 40 days without any divine communication, that means you are done. The mind has given up on you. So we no longer have prophecy, but we still have communication with God. That's what we are told in the literature. But to actually get those messages, we have to learn how to listen. The Almighty expects great things of us. If he didn't, he would not have created us. But of course, the Yetzirah is very strong, very potent. And the world that he portrays for us and he paints for us, it's designed to make us veer away from God. And we are spiritually asleep. We're asleep at the wheel, forgetting about the grand mission that we are placed in this world to accomplish. But the Almighty is the one who awaits those who are asleep. We say in our prayers, God awaits those who are asleep. God arouses those who are in a slumber. What does that mean? So my grandfather, the Blessed used to say, God does not allow us to sleep. Whenever we fall into a pattern of mediocrity, we're not really firing on all cylinders, we're not really living up to the expectations of our soul, of what we're supposed to do, we're not being productive, we're not living up to our potential, the Almighty will jolt us awake. He will not allow us to fall beyond the pale. God is always speaking to us. It's up to us to listen, and that too is part of way number two, to listen. And if we learn the great skill and tool of learning how to listen with all its various facets, we are well on our way to prepare ourselves for Torah and for wisdom. I thank you for listening. Listening. I hope you have a great day. And as always, my email address is rabbiwalby at gmail.com.